This is Atolio Conversations. I'm Luke Alley. In today's episode, I'm talking with Chris Pasola, who's the CIO at Plex Systems, a manufacturing software solutions company recently acquired by Fortune 500 company Rockwell Automation. Chris has a unique background, having not only worked at companies of very different sizes and industries, but he has also taken on numerous roles from IT to marketing to sales and more. So Chris and I talk about what he has gotten out of having such a diverse career and how that informs the way that he mentors others. Chris is one of those people you can tell is just sincerely interested in helping others. So it was great to hear his insights on how to help talented people advance their careers. And with that, over to my conversation with Chris. Chris, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Oh, thanks for having me, Luke. You know, I'm really excited for this conversation because when we asked you about coming on the show and we were we were discussing some topics that we could uh, we could get to in today's conversation, you brought up, I believe you phrased it as putting your career through the ringer and then coming out the other <laughs> side a better person. Right. So maybe let's just start at the beginning. Where do you where do you believe this uh, this story that you you see in yourself uh, starts? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, the, the story really starts uh, in college. Um, so, you know, I, I went to school to become a high school teacher. And, you know, I wanted to teach math and I wanted to teach computer science. And that's that was my passion. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to, ha- you know, have that experience. And during my student teaching process, I discovered that uh, much to my surprise that uh, not everybody likes to learn math. Like that's one of those subjects that's like some people just hate it. They 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 don't want to learn it. There's that one class that's required for them to graduate, and they take it four years in a row until they finally get put through. And um, you know, my passion was just so strong for for teaching it that I I had a real hard time with with those kind of students. And I'm like, all right, so I I'm I don't think I'm going to be a good math teacher. Like it took me until the very end of that whole program for me to have this light bulb go off. But I'm glad it went off then instead of, you know, 10 years down the road. But those exact same students in my computer science classes were thrilled. Very easy to teach. Amazing students loved computers, right? And, and, and so my passion almost flipped from, you know, most passionate about math to most passionate about computers and, you know, started teaching things like, um, you know, some advanced, at, at least at the time for that school that I was in, some advanced programming techniques and using Legos and programming Lego robots and things like that, that, that these kids didn't have an opportunity to do before. And it really kind of piqued my interest. And I thought, well, what am I going to do with this now? Um, I don't know if I can make a career out of, you know, teaching Lego programming, even though I would, that would be awesome. So in, in doing my, my interviews for a real job, I found that at the time, not a lot of school districts wanted just a computer guy, right? I was willing to handle you know, all the, the computer setup for the entire school district, whatever it took. And there just wasn't a lot of that. They, always, they all wanted me to teach that beginning math, math class as well or teach something else. And I just, I knew that that wasn't going to make me happy. So as luck would have it, there was a posting just on a board outside of one of the classrooms for interviews for IT consulting. 
I had no idea what IT consulting was, but um, I did a little bit of research and I'm like, I, I don't know, that kind of sounds like what I'm saying I want to do, right? And so, you know, it was with this little tiny company called Ernst & Young <laughs> and the, the interview room had glass fronts on it. And I still can picture it to this day. And there was three people in there and they kept looking at the table, looking through the windows at me, looking at the table, looking through the window at me, like, why is this kid here? Right. He's not from the business school. He's not from the, I, you know, the, the, um, there was a, a separate program that wasn't computer science. It was in a separate building even, um, that was for more kind of that business computers type of type of role. And finally they did rock, paper, scissors or something and <laughs> chose who was going to talk to me. And, and the first question he asked me was, why are you here? It looks like you're supposed to be a teacher. And I, I don't remember what I said. I wish I could remember, but it was something along the lines of an analogy between teaching is coming up with plans and creating ways to educate kids, high school kids. I said, it sounds to me like IT consulting is the same thing, except it's adults instead of kids. And he kind of paused for a moment and went, okay, well, let's keep talking. You know, So long story short, sure enough, they offer me a position and I'm like, oh, this is ridiculous. I can't believe that this worked, <laughs> but that, that moment right there was big risk, big reward. Right. And, and that moment is what kind of opened my eyes to that whole philosophy of well, why don't I just do this anytime in my career, anytime in my life, right. That taking risks is okay. Taking risks is something that people are going to look through that glass wall at you and laugh, but then once they get to meet you and once they get to ask you the right questions and you get to answer those questions, you find out if the risk is going to be worth it or not. But if you don't take that leap, you're just not going to, you're just not going to know. So, you know, that, that kept continuing through my career. And, you know, I, um, you know, for those that aren't familiar with consulting, it's a, it's a grind. So I, to this day will put any past of mine, uh, any success of mine completely on that experience because they cram a ton of experience, a ton of uh, training and knowledge. Uh, it was just an amazing, amazing experience for somebody to go through. I learned way more than I would have anywhere else in a very short period of time, but you're traveling a ton. You're working ridiculous hours. You are working constantly. You're living in apartments out of town and and just cramming and cramming and cramming and getting a lot done, um, and and really helping a lot of companies. But at the same time, the burnout rate is very high, and I started to feel it after a while. You know, I had some local gigs, and I was like, "Oh, this is kind of nice." And then, sure enough, I get shipped off to Connecticut or shipped off to St. Louis or something like that. And you know, the travel started to get on me. So I said, "Well." Here's another opportunity for me. How do I break free of the consulting grind? Take what I've learned in that experience of working in multiple sectors, multiple different technologies, tons of different people. It's like every you know three weeks to three months, it's a completely different team, a completely different set of people, a completely different solution that you're working on and apply that in a more local stable kind of opportunity. And, and, you know, I happened to stumble upon one where I was interviewing with the CFO and he said, he looked at the resume and he's like, Oh, you're the Ernst and young guy you're in like, and that's, that's literally what it took was, 
if I wouldn't have had, I think at the time they were called the big six consulting firms, if I wouldn't have had big six experience, he might not have even looked at me. Right. And so again, I, I go back to that as being a, a great moment in my, in my career, but this company that I went to next was, you know, they did childcare and, and early education. You know, I, I remember thinking to myself, like, okay, I'm going from a big six consulting firm, huge company, traveling around the world, doing all this stuff to this tiny little company. I think there is not including all the schools around the country, but at the corporate headquarters, it might've been 20 or 30 people. <laughs> and, you know, he, he said, what we're going to do is we're going to buy a copy of the source code of this program and we want you to take it over. And I'm like, okay, great. Me and who else? Oh no, just you. <laughs> and, and so again, it was like, okay, is the reward going to be worth this risk? This is crazy. What am I doing? But of course I did it. And it was just a completely different environment, a completely different business line of business I had never been in. And, and owning the solution is basically think of it as a point of sale solution for all of these early education centers and childcare centers around the country. And the CEO and the CFO both were were very honest with me and said, and you're you're gonna get some merger and acquisition experience out of this too. It's like, so yes, your primary role is gonna be this getting this program up and running for us, but get that done quickly because pretty soon we're gonna be we're gonna be involved in some big MA activity. And and so that's where a lot of the my merger and acquisition experience, I got an introduction to a lot of that. I mean, we had some of it in the consulting world, but being part of the company that was actually going out and evaluating, doing due diligence, you know, figuring out if these are going to be a good purchase or not, that was new and exciting and different. And there's a there's a lot of company risk on the line in making some of those big purchases. And in one case, we actually purchased a company that was larger than we were. Um, and so it was like, what on earth are we doing? Right. So I just, I keep falling into these situations where it's like, do we really want to do this? You know, we, they, they actually have more technology than we have. They have more people, they have more centers, but uh, you know, again, it ended up being something just great. And you just, you learn so much from it and, and, and you grow, but every career change I made was one very similar, right? So then the next leap was a totally different line of business, a totally different role for me, getting involved in other departments. I ran marketing for a while. I ran sales for a while. I ran product for a while. And it's just, you know, people look at me and go, I'm the IT guy. But when I explained, you know, that I, at a small startup company, invented a marketing department from zero, um, you did what you did, what? <laughs> marketing? Why, why on earth would they pick you for that? So, you know, that that's a lot of the stuff that um you know that's what excites me that's what drives me and and when i when i come across people that are unhappy with their careers or struggling with their careers that's usually what my piece of advice is for them is go take a risk on something different and you know sometimes the reward is there but make it you know it has to be a bit of a calculated risk too you can't just say i i want to go drive the beer truck because i like beer you know <laughs> if, if that was the story i would have done that a long time ago <laughs> That's really interesting. Do you feel like you've always been drawn to getting out of your comfort zone and taking big swings just in general? Or is that something you had to kind of learn yourself? Like, was that something that you knew about yourself going into this series of career steps? Yeah, if, if I go back further in time, I, I would have 
I would have answered that question. No, you know, very conservative and safe, you know, in a lot of the choices that I made in life. Um, but at the same time, if I inspect some of the smaller things a little more, there's a lot of comfort in change, maybe not risk, but change. Right. So, you know, leaving a tiny, tiny town up in very Northern Michigan, you know, to attend a medium-sized school in, in, in middle Michigan, you know, a lot of my classmates and teammates uh, were not willing to take that leap of faith, you know, just didn't want that change in their life. Like, no, no, no. I, I kind of like my hometown. I kind of like where I am. I want to hang out and I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'll go to a local college. It's, it's all good. And nothing against those schools. Those are great schools, but I was interested in the change, right? A change of scenery, change of, you know, town, change of uh, friends, change of people that you're, you know, hanging around with on a daily basis. And, you know, I, I think that that was, uh, you know, key and, 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 and valuable to my growth as a person, but there's been little things where I enjoy change. Um, but a lot of times don't, those weren't quite as risky as the career moves I've made. So, uh, you know, I've never been one to jump into risk, but I guess I've always been one that I enjoy change, right? I, I'm not, I don't, I'm not one for sitting still. Right. It's, it's that it's, it's not necessarily that any individual, change was ultra dramatic or, or, uh, an outsized amount of risk. It's more so the consistency of that desire mm -hmm. to change just mm -hmm. adds up over time. Right. Right. Um, and I feel like that's, I almost feel like that, that comfort with change is similar to what you were describing earlier about like just the grind of like learning the grind early on. Mm -hmm. It's like a muscle that, that needs to be worked out and be right. like to for you to be able to be adaptable and be able to like similarly just get the job done right no matter what it is mm -hmm. um i think that's totally invaluable but how do you when you talk when you talk to you mentioned like giving that advice to people do you feel like people are usually receptive to that or does that something is that something that has to come kind of from an internal like compass and and is that something that's a little hard to like kind of convince people of from the outside. Oh, sure. Yeah, sure. There's, there's definitely different personality types. So not, not everybody is, is willing to do that. Um, some will see it as a, a higher risk than others. Um, you know, some people are more comfortable with change than others. Uh, you know, some people that are a different place in their life, right. Whether, whether it's, you know, um, I, I've, I've mentored some people that really want to go off and be entrepreneurial. Um, and you know, the one thing holding them back is, uh, medical insurance, right? And it's like, okay, if, if that's the only thing holding you back, you need to go research that there's a lot of options out there, right? It's, it's not as bad as you think it is. Um, but yes, entrepreneurship is going to be risky. Of course it is, right? A lot of, uh, you know, startup companies fail. The, the, the data is out there that it, that it happens, but you can't just look at the data and say, you know, this, this risk, this chance, this change that I'm making is going to equal failure because the data says 70% or whatever the number is. Why, why did 70% of them fail and don't do those things. Right? So, you know, there, there, there's an education piece to it as well. And, and when I, when I work with people on, you know, career planning, career mapping, whatever it may be, a lot of, um, 
a lot of that discussion is about where do you want to be? Not where are you now, but where do you want to be? And you, you have to look forward and say, you know, I, I've, I've mentored some people that they very quickly came out and said, I want to be a CEO. Right. Okay. Well, you know, you just finished your internship. So let's take this in smaller chunks. Like <laughs> You're not going to make that jump right away. So um, just being able to kind of map that out and that's what can help lessen some of that risk and fear. That's what can, can make it feel more comfortable um, is just taking those in smaller chunks. Not everybody can make big leaps and take big chunks and take big bites out of their life. Um, again, because everybody's in a different place in their life. Everybody's in a different place mentally and, and physically. And, um, you know, there's even, even today's world, right? Everybody talking about the great resignation. Um, why are people doing that? Uh, there's a ton of reasons why they're doing it. But if the situation that they're in has created an environment where they're like, you know what, this is worth the risk, then they can take that risk right now, right? Where maybe three years ago or three years from now, that's not going to be the case because the world is going to be different. But, um, you know, there's, there's just so many things that impact an individual that is just really looking at your current situation and understanding Maybe it's just change within your current situation that you that you need, right? Is it, uh, you know, you're just going to slide sideways from, you know, operations over into sales or you know something like that. That that is, um, the change that you need. Just need a little perk in your life. You know, those things happen as well. Do you feel like it? Uh, I feel like part of what can prevent people from taking on those types of changes is a lack of kind of the awareness of what other types of options and types of changes that are out there. Do you think that in your own experience that your own sense of what changes are available to you and are interesting to you has gotten like either easier or harder over time in terms of as your, your career finds kind of greater and greater stability and, and more and more of like a, a kind of path and a sense of self-determination? Yeah. I mean, I think it in, in certain areas, it's a little bit of both because I, I think the, the clarity comes in the form of having more accessibility to what's out there. So knowing what's happening in the market, knowing what's happening in whatever technologies I might be interested in or knowing what's happening, you know, inside of the current company that I'm in, right? Just having a higher level of awareness and accessibility to that information, it makes things a little bit easier to plan for, understand, look at the risk and, and know what's going on. Where it gets more difficult is, uh, at least from what I've found, is the available opportunities as you climb that corporate ladder, get smaller and smaller and smaller. And they also that also means that they get spread further and further apart. Right. Uh, there, there was a, um, and it might be an, an unwritten uh, um, uh, phrase that we use back in consulting, but it was up or out. Right. If you were not performing to the next level, and then that's what they taught us. And that's another thing I took away from consulting is don't wait for a promotion to start acting like you're at that level. Right. When I was a consultant, I was told immediately, if you want to be a senior consultant, start acting like one now. 
right? Don't wait for somebody to hand it to you. Start acting like a senior consultant. Now, when you're a senior consultant, start acting like a manager if that's what you want, right? And so you knew what that ladder looked like and you were climbing that ladder or you were gone. Like that was, it was cutthroat, you know, and that was um, good in a way because it quickly, you know, helped the company overall understand, you know, where their most motivated best employees are and those that maybe this isn't the right it's just not the right fit. That's okay. But being able to identify that it's not a good fit sooner than later is amazing, right? You, you people need to know that right away. Um, but that, you know, as, as you climb that corporate ladder, those gaps just get larger and larger and larger, right? So for that next move, it could mean you have to take a bigger risk, or it could mean you have to be a lot more patient and wait for that next right thing to come along and you know, defining what the right, next right thing is almost impossible, but it's more gut feel than anything else. Um, you know, does this feel good? Does that feel good? Um, what excites you? You've had enough time now to understand this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I love. This is what I want to try to avoid, whether it's, you know, company style, management style, you know, uh, the sector of the, of the market is just too crazy for you or too, you know, not crazy enough for you. Um, and so those are all things that you learn and, and sometimes having that knowledge is power. And sometimes having all that knowledge is debilitating <laughs> because you're, you're trying to figure out like, Oh wait, I know too much. Um, so now everything looks like it's, you know, I can find the hole in everything now because I've seen them all. So it's, it's, it, it, it does, uh, it's kind of a double-edged sword, um, but I'll just go back to the word patience. I mean, that's that's really what it comes down to. And I had very little of it early in my career, and I've gotten a lot of it lately. And that's that's one of the things that I think you learn over time is is that patience. Yeah. Oh, that's such an interesting uh, kind of the not. I, I I think that your point about patience is is great. I, I also find that to be really interesting, that idea of like knowing too much, especially because, you know, I think that part of what makes risks feel less terrifying is when you have the, like the, the stronger kind of internal compass you have about your values and what your motivations are or whatever kind of vision you have for yourself makes those risks feel less, you know, all encompassing or consuming, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Um, and it sounded like, you know, early on you had this insight about really loving to educate and be in this technology space. And you had that kind of core knowledge about yourself and you were able to kind of use that to, uh, make these calculated risks. Right. Um, and I think it's, it's, kind of ironic that idea that like as you gain more knowledge you in a way you become more secure in yourself or you can perhaps mm -hmm. um hopefully uh but at the same time yeah that that other awareness of of kind of the the awareness of just the process of elimination i guess about like yeah. what is interesting to you it's just a very interesting kind of like yeah. graph i guess right right yeah yeah, I mean, maybe the uh, that graph would show like the 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 peak of your career is I don't know maybe ten years in or something like that. You know, it's like <laughs> that's when you don't know enough, but you know enough. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So uh, we were talking just a little bit earlier about um, 
you know, mentoring. Can you can you tell me a little bit about your just your your involvement there and in, uh, in in a few yeah. different ways, right? Yeah, sure, happy to do that. And um, got involved in a, a, a local program outside of work um, a few years back, and they, you know, it was mostly in the technology realm, helping kind of the the younger generations. Uh, in the technology realm, understand what their career path could look like. And so they needed, they wanted mentors to come in, work with these mentees and and help them understand what does, uh, what are all the different technology career paths and what do they look like? And one of the things, one of the key things that I learned out of that program is it can be really easy to get stuck in a very strict technology path but for some people, that's the right path. That's the right track for them to take. And I don't want to overgeneralize, you know, people and who they are and what they do, but there's a stereotype around the real techie people that they're introverts, right? And so I was assigned a couple of uh, mentees that were very introverted. They, they admitted that they were, you know, they were in some cases struggling just to have a one-on-one conversation with me, right? It's like, and, and you know what? That's okay. They were rock stars at the technology that they were working on and felt that they weren't being recognized for that because they weren't standing up in front of a crowd of 500 and doing a big presentation, right? Like, okay, there's two ways to look at that in my mind. And these are the conversations that I have with, with, with people that fall into those categories is you can either, you know, again, go back to the risk reward situation. You can either accept that risk, find ways to overcome your fears face fear in the face and hop up on that stage or get in front of a room of 20 people or whatever it is, start small and let it grow. You can either face those fears and, and, and take that risk and deal with the outcome. That outcome could be negative or positive. You don't know, right? So control what you can control. And that is your decision to either attack it with everything you have or say, nope, I'm not comfortable with that. I'm not going to do it. Those are your two paths. And if you say, no, you're not comfortable doing it, then you have to step back and say, okay, then what do I want for my career? Because if you're saying that you're, you're not willing to do certain things that are um, a little more extroverted, but you're saying to me that you want to manage a team of people, I will tell you as a, as a manager that that's not going to be easy for you to do. There's not a lot of places that are going to allow you to do that because they're going to see that as a high risk for them as a company to put you in a situation where you're not able to effectively manage people. Right. So that's just a decision point. And then in in some of these instances with these mentees, it's not never my intent to do anything, but open their eyes, open their minds and let them know what, what else is available to them and what other tracks are available to them. And one thing that you you realize, and it's gotten way better over time, but there's a lot of companies that still struggle with how do I promote these technical rock stars so I can keep them, I can pay them what they deserve to be paid and would be paid somewhere else, but they're not managing people. And so companies have started building these technical tracks, right? Where you can kind of climb that engineering, senior engineering kind of ladder, but you're not met, you don't have to manage people. Um, and so that, that's, that's great, except if you're in one of those companies that doesn't do that. And then unfortunately, again, you, you have this eye-opening, mind-opening experience of, uh-oh, so now does that mean I have to go interview? 
Does that mean that I have to go look for a position at a company that does recognize technical tracks? And for some of those people, that was all they needed to hear. They needed to hear like, okay, let me get a final answer from my company if they're ever going to introduce technical tracks. And if they're not, and I'm stuck at this role at this level and I'm never going to grow, then that has to be a decision point for you to say, I need to find a company that respects me for my skills that I do have and is willing to work with me on, you know, whatever skills I don't have. Right. And, and so you hear it all the time, right? Pe- people don't leave um, companies. They leave a bad culture or they don't leave companies. They leave a bad manager, right? The same can be said for They don't leave companies. They leave it because the track isn't there for them. Right. And so if the company is not set up for you to be successful, you have to be willing to say, Oh, this is going to suck, but I got to go. I got to go find something that's going to it's going to work for me. So, you know, mentoring has really opened my eyes to that. That you know, some people really are stuck, and and there's two ways of of getting out of being stuck. Right, you got to step up and and go do what you don't feel comfortable doing, and maybe you'll grow and you'll become a great person. And before you know it, you're doing TED talks. I don't know, or you you have to say, hey, I'm comfortable just doing what I'm doing for the rest of my life and I never want to leave or you got to leave. Right. I mean, there's, 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 there's not a lot of things, but that was eye opening for me because I didn't have that experience. Right. And again, going back to consulting, having that up or out mentality, we were really pushed, pushed through certain steps. And, you know, and then I go to a company where I'm a one man team. Like I have to do everything by myself. I have to present to the board and I also have to talk to customers and I have to talk to teachers at these schools. And, you know, you, you, you have to work with everybody. And, um, you know, so that wasn't my experience. So people always ask me one of the reasons, or, you know, what's some of the reasons that you enjoy mentoring? My first answer is always because I actually learn from the mentees, right? I grow as part of hearing what's going on in their life. Um, and then at my current company, they actually started up an internal um, mentoring program. And I, I jumped on that immediately. I, I was like, oh, this is going to be great. I think there's a lot of things that I want to have an impact on. I want to put my fingerprint on. And, you know, there's there's people that that just need a bump, right? They just need to get going. And they actually match you with people that are in uh, separate departments, Right. And so that was one of the things where I'm like, okay, I can go back to all my previous positions. I'm like, well, I've worked in every department. So go ahead, give me anybody from anywhere. No big deal. We'll, we'll, we'll find some common ground, but it's been a very, very similar experience. People enter these programs to be mentored on career advancement is probably the number one reason why they enter these programs, whether external or internal, they're like, you know, what do I need to do different? Um, you know, they're, and, and what I like about the one now that we're in now is they're not coming into the program saying, how do I be you, right? They don't want to be me. They don't want to be running an IT organization, but they do want to understand what are my options for knowledge and growth? What are my options for career growth and career expansion? What are my options for more responsibilities? Um, yeah, I, I had one mentee that really, he, he was just, what are my options for becoming more visible? I just felt like he was invisible to the company, invisible to leadership, whatever that may be. And those are fun discussions to have because that's 
right back to the same thing of risk and patience, right? You have to have a combination of the two and you got to take some risks and send some people some emails and get involved in some meetings and invite yourself to something. And then you also have to be patient and see how that's going to turn out for you. It's not going to be an immediate reward in many cases, but you have to be willing to put your name on something and there's a possibility it could go sideways too. You got the visibility you wanted, <laughs> but it might not have been in a positive way, but you can't just be responsible for successes. You have to also take the responsibility for failures, right? How do you, what are you going to do to learn from it? What are you going to do to not let it happen again? And that's what a lot of people have a problem with, right? They just, they just want the wins. <laughs> It'd be nice if we could just always have wins, but we can't. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. I've, I've never, <laughs> I've never made a mistake. Never failed in my life. At anything, yeah, right? Yeah. I, um, <laughs> Yeah. 10 out of 10 so far in life. No, um, I love that. I I think that's really interesting. But but like, I imagine that some of what you're talking about, you're helping people become aware of different options and make strategic decisions. But it sounds like there's a certain element of just risk for risk's sake and, and almost becoming comfortable, like what we were talking about earlier about like kind of that sort of learning that you had to go through where it almost didn't matter exactly what job was on the plate. It was this ability to become comfortable with, with change and be able to throw your weight behind things and, and become adaptable. Right. Um, and I imagine that some of the mentoring involves getting people to see things that are seemingly completely antithetical to their their strategy or whatever believe they believe their the most strategic decision or path would be is actually the reality of their getting to their end goal requires going in the opposite direction right right and and, yeah. and trying totally different things yes no that's that that's that's spot on because there's there's points in in someone's planning and and this is one of the reasons why I'm a big proponent of mentoring is um, a good mentor will do a ton of listening and they'll be able to say, you know, I, I heard that you have this career plan that, you know, even if it's very, very, very well thought out, but here's what I think is missing from that plan, right? They'll be able to listen to a person's life plan, um, you know, almost psychologist or, 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 you know, psychiatrist or something, right. And, and being able to, to just listen Listen for little gaps and little holes. Listen for little uh, right turns that should be left turns, right? And and in some cases, uh, and I had this experience once, it was me taking the risk of being able to tell the person, I don't think that's a good plan for you. But let's start at the beginning and rebuild it, right? So come to find out as we come back to the very beginning and, and it was, you know, it's, uh, I, I, I like to call it me being the four-year-old because I'm just constantly asking questions like, why, 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 like a four-year-old. And you, you, if you dig back far enough uh, in this one instance, we, we dug back far enough that there was a bunch of forced moves that were put on this individual, right? So some companies do that, right? You, you, you hire in as a, you know, HR generalist, and they tell you, oh, you need to do payroll now. And then you go into payroll and then the accounting team picks you up and say, okay, you need to do accounting now. And you're on the finance team now. And they get pushed 
And they're like, oh, okay, I'm a finance person now. Well, I want to be a manager. I want to be a controller. Like, wait, let's go back to the beginning. You wanted to do HR. Like, what happened to that, right? And so you 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 get them back to their roots and you figure out why were you on the HR path? Was that a passion? Did you lose that passion? Is there something that's missing from your life that you wish you had again? I do that. I reflect that on myself all the time. Should I still have been a teacher? Do I still want to be a teacher? Or am I getting enough, quote unquote, teaching in the in the positions that I have now. And, and, and that's, you know, I approach a lot of the work that I do, if not all of the work that I do as a teacher slash consultant, right? I still have that mindset of, uh, you know, almost a, an analyst. And then, you know, you come up with a solution and you explain the solution. Right? It's just that whole uh, ongoing effort. And some people need that reset. Like you said, it's like to sometimes you have to turn them around, put their back to the mirror and have them walk you know, 10 steps back and, and see, see what's back there. And they, you, we don't look in the mirror often enough. I don't think to go, Hey, what's behind us that, that we missed. Was there an opportunity that we missed? Was there a passion that we lost? You know, was there, was there something in my life that completely changed the way that, um, you know, the way that I approach things and there's, a lot of examples of very, very successful people that, that, you know, they waited until midlife or later in life to go, oh my gosh, I'm so unhappy, right? Why, why did I end up at this place in this position? You, you know, I'm making all this money, but I, I, that's it, right? What I really wanted to do was, you know, write a book. And so all of a sudden they go write a book, then they write two, then they write three, then they write 30. And they are loving life, right? And and it's because they're doing what they enjoy. And I that's that's the other piece that I like about them about mentoring. And I've had many mentors myself, and they've they've helped me through that exact same situation, which is why I think it's just that whole kind of pay it forward, you know, um, mindset. Being able to just listen to somebody's story, be a very confident, private, um, you know, confidential kind of um, friend to these people that they know they can come to you with their career problems and you have no skin in the game except to help them, right? You're, you're not doing anything for a company. You're not doing anything for money. You're not doing anything for, you're, you're literally just there to help that person understand what their options are. You can't make them do any of those things. Right. And I like to have that conversation with the mentor, with the mentees as well as I, I can't, you know, get you an interview for a CEO position. That's not why I'm here. Right? I, I, I can't go to your boss and get you a, you know, 35% raise. I can't do, I'm not going to do the work for you. So I think it's comfortable for them to have somebody to go to and just say, I had to bounce something off. Yeah. I read the situation yesterday and blah, blah, blah. And you can just say, Oh, okay. Yeah. I have, or haven't been in a similar situation and let's talk through that and see what your options are. And yeah, I think you handled it well, or I think you could have handled it differently or, you know, how do you feel about it? Right. It, that, that experience and that growth. Um, again, it goes back to growth for me, growth for them. It's just, it's a great experience. I, I really, really do enjoy it. And I think part of that, goes back to teaching, right? Why did I want to teach? Because I, I liked people and I like helping people, right? And that's kind of at the core of the passion is helping people. And 
you know, if, if, if I'm ever not helping people, then I'm, I, I feel like I'm lost and bored. <laughs> so, if, you know, that, that's, that's when I started thinking, well, where, where can I go to start helping somebody? And, um, you know, there's, of course, there's something in it for me, but it's the, what's in it for me is the satisfaction of knowing, of getting somebody to say, oh, thank you. That makes a ton of sense. Right. And you can, you can see this weight lift off their shoulders and they're like, oh yeah, I get it. I have options. I can go do this. I can do that. And I'm like, Great. Make your decision and go. Right. It's like, um, it's a, it's a, it's a great program recommended to, to anybody. You know, they're all over the place. It doesn't have to be through your current company. There's a lot of places just out in the community. You know, a lot of places that offer mentorship programs. Um, and uh, I haven't been in all of them, of course, but I've been in a handful and all of them have, them have been run similarly and, and run very well. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll leave that out there as a recommendation. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier about really burning out on teaching math, right? Because people weren't passionate, right? And now you're, you've found an approach. It seems like you're now sort of starting with the passion and now trying to just interpret that for people and, uh, maybe redirect it and, and, and build on from there rather than it kind of having to come from you or something like that, or rather than trying to create the passion in the first place. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And, and that you, you, you said something very key, create the passion, right? You, you can't create passion. You have it or you don't. And you, and sometimes people just need help realizing that, you know, again, some people are driven a certain direction by money or by success or by a title. And that's fine if, if that's going to give you kind of that short-term happiness or you have a short-term need that you need to address. And so you have to take it. Sometimes you make sacrifices. That's fine too. But if you don't have to make those sacrifices, it's just reflecting back on what makes you happy, reflecting back on your passion and helping them realize their passion, not create their passion. Right. So I mean, that, that's a, that's a key differentiator there. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I wanted to hear a little bit about some of the mentorship that you've received and, and maybe some of the advice that you've gotten. Yeah. I, I, the, the, the very first memory I have of being mentored, um, was during my consulting years and, you know, we were, we were just grinding, burning hours and hours and hours every single day, trying to get this, um, this solution created for, for our, our customer. And it was late on uh, whatever day of the week it was, but it was late, really late in the day. And the senior manager kind of poked his head up over the cube wall. And there was two of us crammed in this cube and we were just, pounding away on some problem that we were trying to solve. And he said, Hey guys, I'm like, yeah, what? Just dead tired. And he goes, is anybody going to die? And we went, what? He's like, anybody going to die if you don't finish that tonight? And we're like, of course not. What are you talking about? Right. And he said, guys, you need a break. Right. He's like, you know, if, if you were a doctor and there was somebody in front of you on an operating table, yeah, I'd tell you to keep going. He said, but you're not, you, you go home and think on it. You're going you're to get some sleep. You're going to wake up and you're going to come in here and you're going to solve it in five minutes. 
And to be, you know, early in my career as a, as a young professional that was still trying to make his mark on the world to be able to hear, it's not the number of hours you put in right from a senior manager who was basically running this entire large account for him to a recognize that we existed on this huge, huge team of people. And he picked, you know, the two that were sitting there pounding their head on the wall and to be able to just break through the, the wall that we had built around ourselves by saying something as crazy as, is anybody going to die? It's just like, it just snaps you out of your funk immediately. Cause you're like, who is this crazy man? And why is he talking to me? And why is he talking about us killing people? <laughs> um, and you know, that, that was right then and there, I was like, paid more attention to him. Right. So it wasn't a formal mentorship until, you know, maybe about six months later, um, but I paid a lot of attention to him and how he managed people, how he managed the team, how he managed the projects. And so from a professional standpoint, I looked up to him and started asking more questions and really learning a lot from him. And I really kind of um, built my management style around how he managed because everybody enjoyed being on his projects people, you know, one project would come to an end and they'd be like, Hey, hey Jim, wh wh what's your next project? Cause I want to be on it too. You know? And it was, he had like a following and it wasn't because of successes. It wasn't because of money. It wasn't because of, you know, fame or glamor or these fancy projects that got all this attention. It was just him. It was how he ran the team. We got a ton of stuff done, worked a lot of hours, but he knew when to kind of pull the ripcord, you know? And, um, when I interview people to this day, I, I tell that story and I say, you know, cause they usually ask the question, Hey, what's your management style? Right. And so I'm like, let me tell you where my management style came from. Right. And, and I agree with it. And, um, you know, I go into micromanaging versus not right. I've had both type of managers and I'll tell you which one I like, <laughs> which one I don't. Right. So, um, you know, it's, it's just back to that whole, you know, I, I treat my teams, how I want to be treated. I manage them, how I want to be managed. And, you know, that, that just leads a lot into, um, you know, how the teams kind of develop and the relationships you can build. And, and with those relationships, you can lean on those. And actually, I think the teams are more efficient as a result of kind of taking all the BS off of their plate and drama off of their plate. And they don't have to worry about me because I'm telling them I'm not worried about you, right? So let's just get that off the table. I'm not going to micromanage you. I'm not going to count how many hours into the night you're working or not. We're just going to talk about is the work getting done. That's it. Get the work done, get it done, get it done. Well, high quality, right? I don't want to do it twice, right? All those kinds of things that you just want to be on efficient teams. And you know that's what I got from that first mentor. And when I finally got the nerve to approach him and say, Hey, officially, will you be my, my mentor? I think he mentored me for, I don't know, two or three years, maybe. Um, and it was, it's not like we met every week or anything like that. It was a, it was a phone call or an email only sometimes, right. It was just like, just a quick question for you. Let me bounce this off you. Let me, right. Um, and then after that, I had um, kind of two or three just professional external uh, mentors as well. Um, one of them, um, still, I would say friends with him today. Um, you know, just 
we'll, we'll meet for a beer every now and then and just talk about life and career and how are things going. And, um, you know, got a phone call out of the blue from him the other day and it's just like, what's going on? How are you? And, um, you know, those are the kind of relationships that, that are valuable and, and they don't, they don't have to be formal. Right. And, you know, a lot of all three of those, well, the first one started informal and turned formal. The other one started formal and turned informal. Right. So you just kind of gain those relationships and it's, it's highly valuable just to have somebody to brain check you on things. Right. Cause sometimes we get stuck in our own little ruts and can't get ourselves out of it. And all we need is a conversation with somebody that we trust and somebody who knows a little bit about us. And, and you know, in, in some cases, it's just like, boom, there's a slap in the face. What are you thinking? Oh, thank you for that. Okay, good. Moving on. Appreciate it. Now I know what I need to do. So, yeah, i a uh, big believer in, in mentors. Um, and again, it can be once a year. Right? It doesn't have to be something that you're signing up for this big commitment of time. Um, yeah, it can be 30 minutes once a year if that's if you're not in a, in a funk or you're not in a place where you think you need a, advice on anything. But um, they're good to have. Yeah, no kidding. And I, especially what the point you were making earlier about just uh, choosing to trust the people that you're working with. I mean, it's so much easier to do that and and exhibit that once you've been the recipient of that, right? Mm -hmm. And it's so Correct. valuable. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess the main takeaway is that I'm I'm now going to start every meeting by asking whether or not people are going to die, and then that should uh, <laughs> that should you know make sure everybody's all good. No, it's a good uh, icebreaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, who died today? Yeah. Um, awesome, Chris. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Really appreciate talking with you. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me, Luke. And um, you know, anytime uh, anytime you want to chat, um, you know, I'm here for you. Thanks to Chris for the conversation. Thanks to Tom Tierney for the music. And we will see you again in two weeks.